Hello and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at uncoveringintimacy.com. If you're new to this podcast, uh, I try to answer questions from our anonymous have a question page uh, at least monthly. Uh, Sometimes I miss them and I have to double up. These questions come in with no cut context other than what they give us, no way to contact them, to ask follow-up questions. They are truly anonymous. So we try to do our best to answer with what we have been given. And uh, yeah, that's basically what this episode is. These are the questions that we got from February this year. So question number one was... What can I do to become more comfortable with masturbating? My husband is gone, so finding a person that can help me become more comfortable is out of the question. I just don't like doing it. There isn't really any interest in it. It takes a lot to get me turned on, even to start, and it's almost impossible to be able to orgasm at all. So what can I do? I try porn, try reading sex letters from my husband. Why is it so hard to orgasm? I'm not fully comfortable with myself. Never have been an And I can't stop from being that way either, because in my eyes, my body is disgusting in some parts, so I find myself undesirable, even if someone tells me otherwise, because people lie every day. So I have a feeling this person came to our site and that they're not Christian and didn't realize we were a Christian site, so this might not be the answer that you're going to want, but I'm going to give it anyways. I don't think you should get more comfortable masturbating alone. Personally, I believe that God made sex to be shared in a committed, lifelong relationship and that it should be a shared experience each and every time with that person. Of course, when that person dies, that leaves an ache. Of course, you know, it's felt emotionally as well as physically for some. Yet, I believe that the counsel of sex for marriage still persists in these situations. In fact, there's a passage in 1 Timothy 5 that would, uh, I say, suggest that if you are a widow and still have these passions, then you should seek out a new husband. And while much of Christianity doesn't like the idea of getting married to have sex, the fact is that that's biblical. Both 1 Timothy 5 and as well as 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9, which says that it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So that's the first part. If you feel physical desire, then the same advice goes for you as for a virgin girl. You know, wait for marriage. That's where it's designed to be shared. As for not being comfortable with your body, that's another matter. You know, that doesn't necessarily need to wait until marriage. And it's true that having a husband who would compliment you and show you how much he loves your body would definitely help, but you can also do some things on your own. One would be to be naked more often, uh, not in front of people or anything, like just with yourself. The more often you see yourself naked, the more often you are naked, you know, the more comfortable that you will be being naked. And secondly, you can look at yourself in the mirror every day without clothes on and find something that you like, whether it's your smile, your shoulders, your calves, your breasts, your butt, your hips, your elbows, you know, find something and compliment yourself. The next day, try to find something else or the same thing until you believe it. And lastly, you can work on your health people who are healthy tend to feel healthy. So uh, get out, go for walks, get some exercise. Uh, I know we're social distancing right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't uh, just go for a walk by yourself. Uh, In short, work on yourself, you know, get fit and healthy and see if that improves um, some of your view of your body. Uh, Lastly, uh, if you do need some more help, um, you could check out uh, counseling. We have a counselor in our Marriage Bloggers Association at BeFullyWell.com. And you can also check out uh, Faithful Counselors, which is a group of Christian counselors. Um, 
and they've actually extended to our podcast listeners uh, 10% off their first month if they're interested. So I'll stick a link to that in the show notes. And other than that, all I can say is I am sorry for your loss. That's I can't imagine what that's like. Uh, and I know a lot of people will get angry at me and tell me, you know, how dare you tell a grieving widow that she can't pleasure herself. And I'm just going to say, look, I don't believe God's counsel changes uh, depending on how bad we're feeling about it. Ultimately, I believe truth is truth, and I'm going to stand by that. All right, next question is simply, why would a husband push a swollen erection up his wife's anus using no lube? Okay, so I can only think of two reasons. Number one, he's ignorant about how it feels, either because he doesn't understand how the body works with regard to sex and lubrication, or two, he's seen it in porn and decided to emulate it without any concern or regard for your comfort, pleasure, well-being, etc. And I'm hoping it's the first one. In that case, you can have a conversation with him about lubrication if anal sex is something you want to pursue. If you don't, then you have to discuss that you're not interested in that. If it's the second case, then you have to have a conversation with him about his porn use. Uh, Either way, you should probably have a conversation about this. I'm also a little curious about why you would let him. Like, as soon as he tried, I would have put a stop to that and say, nope, that doesn't feel good. Stop. It hurts. Um, And that can lead to another conversation. So whatever the situation is going on, you should probably talk to him about it. All right, this next question starts with, do you have any tips about having team sex? And when this hit the forum, everybody thought it was something else uh, at first. Uh, But it continues, my husband gets mad at me if I move during sex when he's quote unquote doing the work. Sometimes he likes to have me on top and for him just to lie there. I've tried explaining multiple times that I want sex to be more of a back and forth synchronized activity and not just a race to an orgasm, but it falls on deaf ears mainly because I don't think he knows what to do to make that happen. Okay, so for myself, I honestly am not sure how many people actually manage to do what you're describing. I mean, I know what you mean because you see it in movies where everything's perfectly choreographed to music and the actors are gracefully moving together in a way that suggests that they're kind of one. But I don't many. I don't know how many you know real people actually manage that. I know my wife and I can't. Whenever we try to have sex kind of in sync, as it were, we fall out of sync and then it all just stops until one of us starts up again. Uh, and I get the appeal. I mean, I keep trying, even though I know it's not going to work. Uh, it seems like it would be sexy and sensual and amazing and fun, but I'm not sure I can give any tips on how to do it. I'm not even sure if it's a realistic goal, to be honest. But if you're listening to this and you do manage to achieve this level of synchronicity uh, while having sex, you know, let us know in the comments on the blog uh, or email me. I am very curious if this is an actual real thing. Now, that said, I think slowing down sex to have a more enjoyable and relaxed experience rather than racing to an orgasm is definitely an attainable goal. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You told him what you want, but he may not really know what that means. You might have to spell it out for him, and you may have to adjust your expectations a bit. So what if you tried something simpler instead? Something like, you know, no penetration for the first 10 minutes. You know, set a timer and do all sorts of other foreplay things, but no penetrative sex until that goes off. Um, give that a shot. Give, see if that helps with the race to orgasm feeling. Uh, at the very least, it's very clear and, you know, a behavior you can describe to your husband so he knows exactly what you want. 
Next question is from a husband who writes, my husband has told me that he can't be emotionally intimate with me or trust me because his first wife cheated on him with his best friend. This statement has been made in multiple calm discussions. I am a high spontaneous drive wife and have never denied sex to my husband, but I want emotional intimacy with sex. His stoicism and cold slash harsh demeanor make sex very awkward. I've read over 30 relationship books, go to individual counseling, read scripture daily, pray and fast. We have talked about it many times and he says he is making progress. He goes to individual therapy every other month and reads some books. Any suggestions on ways to get through sex when he is stoic and harsh? Harsh. Okay, so first off, I think it's completely understandable that he has trouble trusting people when his two closest relationships both betrayed him at the same time with each other. I'd imagine that would be very difficult to get over. And I have a friend who has openly shared that he did not trust his uh, second wife for years because his first wife left him. And they're about uh, 15 years into marriage now, and he says, you know, he now he trusts her. But unfortunately, the work that has to be done is mostly on his side. You you can help him by simply being trustworthy, but ultimately he has to be open to rebuilding trust. And in cases like this, I think therapy is probably the correct approach. I'm a little surprised that it's only every other month. I don't know how long these things take myself, but from what I hear, therapy seems to be a very slow process, uh, even when you're going weekly. But if he's seeing progress, then that's good. You might just have to be patient. Uh, The only other thing you can try is to model for him what you want. If he's stoic and harsh, then you can try being expressive and loving. You know, sometimes love can break through even when therapy has trouble. All right, so this one's a little long, so bear with me. He writes, hello, Jay. I've been thinking about body piercings, and I want to extend further into the abstract as well. I think body piercings can be aesthetic choices just like clothing, makeup, hairstyles, or tattoos. We make choices about our appearances every day how to present ourselves. There are certain piercings that involve male or female genitalia. These choices are really very private, especially in the context of Christian monogamy. For example, a man with such a piercing would share that extended choice only with his wife. I think it's a wonderful gift to submit to your spouse's desires. If my spouse says, you look good in red, by golly, I'm going to wear red when I want to feel her attention. If she says, you're really hot if you got such and such a piercing, I'd definitely consider it. My question is about the aesthetic choices that are personal and selfish. If we are to present ourselves as offerings parts of the body of Christ, to some extent we leave behind some ways of presenting ourselves, at least the things outside of God's will. What right do we have to make ourselves attractive according to our own preference? Some examples. A man wears tight clothing to the gym to feel attractive and strong. A woman pierces her clitoral hood because she wants to highlight a sensual part of her body. A man buys skimpy men's underwear because they make him feel sexy. A woman shaves her legs and bikini area in order to give herself confidence on a non-sexual first date. All these choices were made for selfish reasons, not to serve a spouse. Can these choices to make yourself look good glorify God, or are they just all just self-serving acts of vanity? Where do we draw the line in between taking care of our body to honor it as part of creation or to serve a spouse and frivolous ex- excessive adornment? Basically, am I allowed to modify my appearance, piercing, tattoos, shaving, haircuts, clothing, etc., for my own enjoyment? enjoyment or do those choices always have to be for my spouse's benefit i've been thinking about this topic a lot lately especially what it means for unmarried people i'd love to hear what you and your subscriber forum think up cheers guy with an earring so i th- 
for me, the issue here is that you are attributing a reason to a behavior and you can't necessarily do that. Just because a guy wears tight clothing to the gym doesn't mean he's doing it to feel attractive and strong. I wear tight shirts when I run because it cuts down on friction burn and helps wick away sweat. I usually wear another shirt on top because, well, no one wants to see me in a skin tight shirt, including me. Uh, but I'm hoping one day I'll be able to because in the summer it's really hot wearing two layers of shirts. And I won't be doing it to look good. I'm not doing it now, so I won't be distracted. And that way I can focus on my workout. You know, and my wife wears tight clothes when she works out too. And she hates the way she looks in them, um, even if I quite enjoy it. Uh, But she doesn't do it for me. uh, She does it because it makes her workout easier. You know, and likewise with piercings, uh, you know, we can't get at their reasons. We don't know if they're doing it for themselves, for their spouse, because it makes them feel a certain way. Maybe it boosts their confidence, which is something that their spouse wants. You know, it's this is far too complex to simply point at a behavior and say they are doing this because of that. I think we have to be careful about judgments like that. You know, I believe we are all called to judge fellow believers when they ask for that judgment so that they can be held accountable. And even then, you better be good at communicating and have a relationship that can bear the strain of that conversation. Outside of that, basically, you have no authority to do this, and you likely lack the insight to know what's going on with them. As for whether or not you can modify your appearance for yourself or does it have to be for your spouse, I think that's between you and your spouse. It depends on what you're looking at. If my wife asked me to get a piercing or a tattoo, the answer is a flat out no. I'm not interested in the least. But she'd never ask because she knows me and knows that's a hard limit of mine. You know, I like for my wife to have long hair, so she keeps her hair long. Sometimes she gets fed up with it and I let her know if she wants to cut it off, she can. But she chooses to keep it long because she knows I like it. You know, I keep my hair short because it looks professional. And where when I'm wearing my technology specialist hat, that's a good look to have. So I'm not doing it because I like it short or because someone else likes it short. I'm doing it because it's prudent for my profession. And in all other areas of our relationship, you know, all these things net out differently. It's not wrong for somebody to do something because it makes them feel better and their spouse likes them to feel better. You know, there's a balance between doing things for our spouse and doing things because they make us feel good or healthy or beneficial or prudent. You know, each person is going to have their own calculations for what falls where. And like I said, for me, piercing and tattoos are a hard pass, but I don't think less of anyone else who chooses to have them. I mean, that's up to them. Who am I to judge what their reasons are? If they ask me if they should get one, I'll tell them my reasons for not getting one, but I'm not going to tell them why they should or shouldn't. I I frankly don't know enough to answer that question for them. All right, our next question is also pretty long, so bear with me. I don't know where to start. All my years of being non-Christian, I masturbated all my teenage years, and as a young adult, I had a partner who I had sex with every day and multiple times. As you can imagine, I was extremely active. When I met my wife, we weren't Christians, so we had sex regularly, and even before getting married and recently converted, we kept having sex but feeling guilty and convinced it was wrong. We've been married for seven years and quickly had three amazing children. Since the beginning, her sex drive went to a point that I had to ask her and push her to have sex. Many times I talked to her about it, and many times I expressed how I felt. She always said nothing is wrong and avoided the talk. 
I recently discovered her Amazon Kindle account and discovered a lot of erotic books, and I suspect that she masturbates. Having to beg for sex and her lack of honesty and communication creates issues to a point of feeling unloved and unappreciated. Finally, I drifted apart from the Lord due to a lot of anger and other things and started watching TV shows with erotic content. Uh, he says in brackets, he never liked porn. Uh, masturbation once in a while and started to drink again. Three years ago, with a long-distance coworker, we started to flirt, and one time on a business trip, we finally met in person, and I almost slept with her. We were alone in a room and almost naked when I heard the voice of the Lord, and I ran away. I stopped everything with her, but I got depressed, and this led to physical pain. She noticed my depression, but I lied and used work and stress as my excuse. I never came clean to her. I wanted to say... I want to say that all through this, we kept going to church and God revealed things to me, but my wife was already like a stone. Last month in our church, we started a fasting and prayer season, and I finally gave my life once more to God, and now I am decided to fix all that is wrong. As I started this post, where do I start? I love her and I want to fix everything that is wrong in our marriage, but she won't even talk to me. A typical night would be me trying to get intimate and she pushing me aside, saying I am tired. This morning we woke up and tried once again. She stepped out of the bedroom. Before I left the house, I told her that I don't like it when she rejects me, and she only said, I'm not rejecting you. These days we are having sex two to three times per month because I push her. I know that if I don't, we can go on forever without sex. Okay, so there's a lot in there. So to break it down, you had sex before marriage, which altered your expectations, and her sex drive diminished after getting married, which, frankly, this happens a lot. In fact, I have a whole post on it called Why Marriage Ruins Sex, because there are a lot of reasons why it potentially can, but it shouldn't. Uh, In general, it points to something being wrong. Uh, You can read the post for more info. I'll stick a link to it in the show notes. Uh, Now, you together, plural, I'm not assigning blame to one or the other, didn't address the issues in your marriage at that point. And that put you both in a place where you could both either be convicted or hardened your hearts. And it seems like you chose the latter. Actually, it looks like you both chose the latter. In your wife's case, you know, she doubled down on keeping the status quo in the marriage and gatekeeping sex and not opening up. Um, Yours led to an affair uh, with or without sex happening. I'm still calling it an affair. And eventually you finally got convicted. You have returned to God and it seems like your wife might not have yet. In short, you're not better than her. You're just further along the path. However, you also have a history of departing that path when things get hard. So you're going to have to be careful about that. So what should you do? Uh, first, I'd say you could probably use an accountability partner, someone that can help you keep on track, give you a kick when you're led astray, and generally help encourage and support you. Uh, secondly, I'd say love your wife as best as you can. She might not be ready to repent. Uh, she probably still has uh, that hardened heart. And I think loving your wife is probably the best way to try and melt it. But ultimately, the choice is hers, whether or not she's going to let you. Uh, But I'd suggest a few books, and I'd read them in this order. Uh, The first is Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. Uh, It's a great book that kind of pushes the idea that marriage is their design to make us grow and to make us into better people, not necessarily to make you happy. And that's true. Uh, Your marriage is pushing you guys to fix some personal issues. And 
it's taken you a while to get to the point that you're willing to actually start doing that. Um, your wife might not be there yet. Um, but there's still hope. Uh, the second is Keep Your Love On, which I think is a great book on how to show unconditional love, but also on how to kind of protect yourself and put put in place healthy boundaries. Uh, the third book is Boundaries, and the reason I put it third is I get a lot of people who read Boundaries and then proceed to put unhealthy boundaries all over the place and say that they're healthy, and then when anyone pushes against them, they say they're being abusive. Um uh, so I, I would say keep, read Keep Your Love On first because it'll set a better foundation, I find, than Boundaries does, and then read Boundaries to kind of dig into it a bit more. Now, if you've spent the time it took you to read all those books, those three, um, and during that time you do your best to love your wife unconditionally, sacrificially, and all that stuff, then perhaps you might melt her heart enough to be able to invite her to read a fourth book, which I'd choose un. Intimacy Ignited, which is a book discovering Song of Solomon, which is basically all about sex in marriage and uh, the pitfalls and how to recover. And that could start a really good conversation, a good discussion about sex, while also framing it with a biblical context. If she decides she actually wants to work on the marriage at some point, then you might want to look into something like marriage coaching or counseling. That's where I'd start. Uh, if you want to, you can email me. I can do my best to kind of help you through that point. Last question is quickly. Uh, they said, hello, I just got to know your blog now. I would really like to have the Becoming More Sexually Engaged for Christian Wives course. How much does it cost? When will it be available again? Thanks in advance. Best regards. So I'm in the process of reworking that course because, well, wives loved it. Uh, their husbands quite enjoyed it as well. Uh, I got a lot of emails from wives thanking me for it. And uh, frankly, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, unfortunately, the software I was using to run it wasn't working terribly well for it anymore. And I wanted to add some more interaction that it just couldn't handle. Um, things to help people adopt the material even better. Because as well as it worked, I, I, I think it could be even better. So I'm moving it to a new platform. Uh, I just haven't finished it yet. Uh, I got a lot of projects on the go and I'm trying to finish one at a time. So stay tuned as yeah, I'm reworking it and some of the content to update it. Cause I've learned a lot in the few years since I released kind of the first version. I'm also reworking the pricing, so I'm not exactly sure how much it's going to cost. Uh, yeah, that's it for now. As always, if you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can email me at j at uncoveringintimacy.com. You can ask it in our forum, which we've opened during the COVID-19 crisis, or you can post it anonymously on our Have a Question page. Uh, links to all those things are in the show notes. Also, we have a free webinar coming up next Sunday, uh, May 3rd at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, or whatever EDT stands for. Um we're going to be discussing the impact of stress on sex because, well, more than ever, our lives are stressful. So we're going to talk about what that does to your system, what you can do about it, and yeah, all that good stuff. Uh, registration link is in the show notes or on the blog. Uh, hope to see you there. But if you can't make it, a replay will be available. Just make sure you register or else you're not going to get the link. That's it for now. See ya. See ya.